Hello and welcome to the Joe Rest Podcast, episode 17, recorded on the afternoon of the 27th of November, 2015. I'm Joe, and with me as always is Isaac. Hello. So it was Thanksgiving yesterday. You're not too hungover, thankfully. Uh, no, not too bad. You know, I had a bit of wine, some beer, turkey, 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 water, water. So I'm fine. Celebrated the uh, complete annihilation of uh, a whole <laughs> people. If there's anything we're good at doing, it's eating and rubbing in victories and salt the wounds of other people. That's pretty much what we do and celebrate those facts. So, yeah. Did you have a toast? To genocide. To genocide. <laughs> It's a, it's an annihilation. It's a, <laughs> to uh no we. What's funny is there was a show on. I can't remember what channel it was called. Saints and Saints and Sinners, but it's about the the first Thanksgiving, and I just kept joking with my girlfriend because she's watching it. Like this is not what I remember. <laughs> like, I remember people were happy and giving food away, not this war. What is it crazy? <laughs> oh man. Well, we should kind of mention why we, it's been so long. The last one was on September the seventeenth. Or and that it? was the second part of the Ben Emlyn Jones one. Um, the first one of those was September 13th. The, the last proper Joe Rest was August 22nd. Oh, my which Lord. Was, like, that was summer. Now it's proper winter. It's nearly December. It's almost Christmas time. Yeah. Yeah, less than a month. So it really all stems from the fact that Paddy had a month off Linux Luddites because he had to do some stuff. And so I had to do all kinds of extra stuff. Uh, just reading the news is like at least an hour a day's worth of stuff. And then you've got to collate it and then have to deal with booking guests to kind of fill in for him. And after that, I don't know. I've got no excuses really. When he came back, we should have started doing this again. I suppose the pie podcast. I said when we started the pie podcast, that that would be the end of Joe rest pretty much, but we've kind of continued to do it a little bit. Yeah, you're right. I forgot the, the pie podcast, <clears throat> excuse me, started taking off and, I can't think what I've been up to. Just work. Start doing Mintcast. Yeah, you're pretty much on the team of Mintcast now. Woohoo! I'm on the team. I did it, Ma! I made it! <laughs> yeah, and you're like a published writer now as well. Oh, God. That's right. I forgot. I'm spe- Supposedly, that's what the rumor is. <laughs> Even if people have to proofread it 10 times before it gets Exactly. If that's what <laughs> I'm a smart writer. You know, I, I know my work is not pro- gr- gram- grammatically correct. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and you, the last one you sent me to have a look through, I could have rewritten the whole thing, basically. Just like, no, this is wrong, this is wrong. But I just corrected a little bit of the spelling and stuff. And uh, yeah, you put it out. But well, it's better than me. I've never been uh, published on a proper site. Uh, Phosphorce is your one, isn't it? Yeah, Phosphorce.com. That's a lot of work, actually. Like, I'm supposed to have one really soon, like today soon. <laughs> oh. But it's just the, uh, I love doing it, but this, it's this two week turnaround of doing it is, I don't know. As soon as I get one out the door, it's like I neatly, immediately need to be thinking about the next one or writing on it. And combine that with a proper, say, look through of a distro or a proper, that's my idea of a proper article is having the correct feedback, not just me shooting it off the hip of, oh, this isn't a good distro because I said so. But you combine that with work. Uh, the pie podcast, which isn't too hard to do, but I mean, there's a little bit of legwork on that that needs, you know, you have to kind of put into it. And then Mintcast, it randomly appears. There's, that's a lot on my plate that I just, I fail to realize. And then also I've got this volunteering teaching Linux and Raspberry Pi at the local library. That's, this is all starting to add up. I'm almost for certain something's about to give probably the classes or the article writing. I'm, I'm not for sure which one, but it's probably going to be the classes since I don't get paid for that one. Yeah. 
Yeah, you don't get much for the writing, but it's it's good for the um, uh, resume, as you would say, CV, as we would say. Yeah, it, it is pretty good. People look at that and they're like, so you've been writing articles, that's it? And I'm like, no, no, no one can read a resume, apparently, in this world. <laughs> yeah, I reckon it would help uh, getting jobs, you know, to show that, that you have got other stuff going on and other related stuff going on. Yeah, it's that's something I look for when I interview another candidate is, it, well, one, I mean, how much they know what they're talking about, but two... Because tech is continually changing is what are you doing on the side outside of work to better yourself or try and keep up with technology? And that's such a big deal. So, yeah, when most some people hear what I'm up to, it blows their mind because most people have kids. They're playing with one of these uh, uh, processors, give or take, you know, if it's Arduino, BingleBone or Raspberry Pi, somebody's playing with something that's a kid. So if you tell them like you're interested in that and you're doing a lot with it, it usually blows their mind. So, yeah. So, well, this episode, we're not going to cover any news stories or anything. This is going to be my Odd Camp recap, even though Odd Camp was Halloween and that was uh, <laughs> a month ago. A month ago. Yeah. Well, it's this show is for me one day to listen to. So that's why I thought I'll get it down in audio format. So maybe in 20, 30 years, I can listen to it. And I remember when I went to Odd Camp that time. So uh, even if no one else is interested, I will be one day. So I suppose we'd better get on with that then. So the story starts before Odd Camp, actually, a couple of weeks before. And that was the, the story of the stickers. Now, you have got a couple of these stickers, haven't you? You're talking about my Luddite stickers? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a... How many did you send me? Three? Three. Like, three? You're supposed to send me some more, and they apparently blew away in the mail. I don't know how true that story is, but you <laughs> <laughs> sent me three. So, But yeah, one's on my computer now, and the other two I'm kind of holding off and putting on another laptop. So, Fair enough. So we wanted to take a load of stickers to Odd Camp because that seemed like quite a logical place to to distribute them because we'd be meaning to get stickers for a while. And so I looked on eBay and found some for £12.50 for about 300 and something and ordered them. They turned up and they were just rubbish, absolute rubbish. They were terribly printed. Like it was like it was being printed on just a, you know, a, a household printer that you go and buy from a shop and they where the way they'd cut them out was all kind of off line you know like out of um what's the word for it it was kind of cut over the edges and stuff and it was just not lined up properly where did you did did you pick these up at the store and someone did this for you or they just an online yeah just on ebay you just pay them the money send them your design and then they send you the stickers okay and, uh, so i went for the very cheapest one i could and it turns out that who knew the cheapest one was rubbish so <laughs> I sent them back and got my <laughs> refund eventually. Um, and I just kept meaning to get around to um, getting some more. Oh, yeah. And also, there was supposed to be about 300, and they, only about 200 turned up. So thankfully, the eBay return process was uh, all good. Uh, and so I was planning to get more sorted out. And then I got man flu. I don't know if you remember when I had man flu on uh, Luddites, and I was like really yeah. croaky and could hardly speak. But thankfully, that was the week before. Og camp, so it wasn't too bad, and not actually the week of Og camp, which I had a few years ago, I think in 2012, where I had terrible, terrible man flu the whole time, and, and it was a bit of a nightmare. But um, I ordered some uh, new stickers from a slightly more expensive seller, and I was expecting them like by the Tuesday. Bear in mind, I was leaving on the Friday afternoon or Friday, kind of mid morning, and I was expecting them on the Tuesday. 
no sign. Wednesday, no sign. Messaged them, said, what's going on? They said, um, mm, they should be there by now. If they're not there tomorrow, we'll send some more. I'm like, well, thinking to myself, that's not going to be very useful because I'm not going to have them at Og Camp. And so then Thursday, no sign. And I, went, oh. I realized they were coming from Northern Ireland, which is technically in the UK, but that's clearly what the delay was about because it's overseas and stuff. So I like went to my neighbors to try and see if they'd been accidentally delivered there and they weren't there. And so I just thought, well, that's it. I'm not going to get them. And then Friday, kind of mid-morning, I was getting a lift to the station from my wife. And I was like, oh, hang on, there's a postman. Quickly, instead of turning right, turn left and go around the block. And I said to him, right, have you got my... Have you got anything for me at my address? And he said, uh, I don't know, the bloke who's doing yours has just walked around there. So I ran after him and he actually had them. And I could not believe it. I actually had the stickers. And so it was literally the last possible minute that I could have gotten them. And so that was kind of, I thought, yes, this is a good start to Odd Camp. And uh, so, yeah, I took him to the station and uh, met up with Jesse at, I can't remember what it was, King's Cross or whatever. And then got the train up to Liverpool. So that was pretty cool. So we get up to Liverpool and um, parted ways at the station because we were all staying in different places, basically. Me, Paddy and Jesse, because there was no official hotel. So I kind of checked into my hotel, which was, uh, I was on the top floor, so I had pretty decent LTE 4G, which was nice. Um, How was the TV? The TV? What's that? (laughs) (laughs) so i think it was your google plus yeah yeah it was like what is this thing (laughs) what's this strange device yeah the first thing i did was unplug that and didn't turn it on once so uh yeah but i had quite a good view and stuff but i needed scissors to cut up the stickers because i didn't realize they weren't going to be cut up they're in a4 sheets of like however many i don't know and so i had to buy some scissors so i had to go to a pound shop it's like what a dollar store you call it and um yeah, oh man, I had a near miss with my window fridge because uh, now I was uh, much ridiculed for talking about my fridge because last year we went to Oxford to Ockham and I drove there because it's pretty close and I took my mini fridge with me and apparently it's strange to stay in a hotel and take a mini fridge with you. <laughs> How big is your mini fridge? Well, I'll put it this way. You can fit about... Four, no, maybe six cans of cider in there. So it's very small. Okay. So that's not too big. Okay. I'm, most mini fridges I've seen are, you can put like a gallon or like two gallons of milk in there and some other stuff. Yeah. But you live in America where everything's enormous. <laughs> so that's what I imagined in my head was you bring one of those. Like, dude, are you serious? <laughs> like, it's. <laughs> well, no, it's easily portable. And I just chucked it in the back of the car, no problem. And it's really. So why, light. Were, you, why were you made fun of for that? Because apparently that's strange. But bear in mind that we don't have ice machines in UK hotels. Only like really fancy ones. But like even in the worst, cheapest motel, you have an ice machine there, don't you? Yes. That's nine times, I'd say 9.9 times out of 10. That's correct here. Yeah. And so you can't even have ice in your drinks. And I like cold drinks. What can I say? I don't drink anything hot, like no tea, no coffee. So cold drinks are very important to me. What can I say? So being that it was quite cold that weekend, or I thought it was going to be quite cold, I came up with an ingenious solution of hanging a plastic bag out of my window (laughs) and then closing the window on it. 
Um, I mean, that's that's that's. I love it because you're acting like you went camping and you honestly went to a hotel. Yeah, I went to like a, quite a nice hotel. I know lunch, that's what I'm is, sure they had like they had a mini fridge in the in the room. I bet. No, no, you don't get fridges in rooms here. You don't get any luxuries. This thing was only like. Uh, I don't know, 30 or 40 pounds a night. So it was, you know, in Liverpool city center. So it's oh. not fancy at all. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of, uh, didn't come up with the greatest plan and tied the bag. And then I was like, how am I going to get it back through the window? Cause the window only opens a certain way. <laughs> like it only opens maybe like four inches to stop you throwing yourself out of it and then getting sued or something. And so I had to like, squeeze my stuff down and then i tied it up and i was like how am i going to get it off so i had to cut it and then i nearly dropped it full of like fruit and you know stuff that i was trying to keep cold drinks and i it, i was right above the pavement that, and i could have easily killed someone so that was quite scary <laughs> had this image of like hey the main speaker this year at our camp has unfortunately died because some moron threw some fruit off of his out of his <laughs> hotel window and you're like weird man who, who would do such a thing yeah <laughs> Uh, so once I sorted out my fridge and everything, I had to walk to the venue uh, because I, I'm too cheap to get a cab, quite frankly, and there's no Uber in Liverpool. I thought, right, I'm going to try Uber out for the first time. And it's not in Liverpool. It's not a big enough city, apparently. So I had to walk like half an hour to the Friday night venue, which I don't mind walking, to be honest. I, I can walk for a long time. As long as there's no hills involved, then uh, I'm fine to walk. But no offense to whoever picked that venue, but it was terrible, man. It was really, really terrible. There was like one small bar with just the, the loudest, most offensive freeform jazz you can imagine. Just the kind of music that should be played quietly in a bar, but this was just so loud you couldn't even hear yourself think. And just proper, you know what I mean by freeform jazz, like where it's almost like four people are playing different songs at once are we talking about like ron burgundy jazz flute kind of style yeah like shooting off the hip yeah just really uh no good um and so that was just a bit of a nightmare really uh oh yeah the, the the other bit of that venue was this big warehouse with loads of stalls selling food it was called a food jam and it just was a bit hipster for me and they had this like um dance floor with uh, disco you know the disco lights on the floor um, mm-hmm. the light up thing and just the whole thing it was too loud and uh just now this, this was last year correct so how so i'm, I'm sitting here looking at on camp's website and i guess it's been going on since 2009 how many yeah. have you been to have you been to all of them i have been to i think the first one was 2010 i think no, maybe 2011 was the first one I went to, then 2012. Then I didn't go 2013, and I went last year in 2014, and I went in 2015 this year. So I've been to a lot of them. This, I'm kind of, I've always been intrigued with Odd Camp, especially when I hear about it, especially this year, talk about it after the fact, because it sounds very, very off the cuff. Like it's planned, but not planned, planned. Because most conferences I go to are seriously planned. And this sounds like it, it is planned, and at the same token, it's almost very free-spirited. Yeah, I think that's a fair description, really. The venue's always planned for the actual talks, because it takes place over two days, the Saturday and the Sunday. And the venue is booked and arranged really well, and you know that's all organized. And sometimes the social stuff is organized, and sometimes it isn't. In recent years, it hasn't been that organized. It's kind of been... Um, 
just we'll do whatever we'll decide on the day sort of thing and the the venue for the friday night was organized at fairly short notice and then saturday night the venue was organized but it was because it was halloween we got chucked out at 9:30 or that was the plan i didn't actually go to it um so yeah it is a bit like you say a bit kind of um it's organized but not so organized it's got a, a freedom to it which i suppose is um in keeping with like the free software and free culture thing. I was going to say, it's probably the mystique of it. Uh, one way to word it, because I'm sure if it got super organized, it would almost lose people going to it. Cause it'd be like, it's not the same free kind of attitude and free spirit of it. Yeah. It'd be a bit too corporate and stuff. And that's not really what it's about. So I might be skipping ahead here. So you went to Odd camp, blah, blah, blah. And you did the podcasters panel. So let's hear about that. Yeah, well, I, I bailed on the, the Friday night party at 10 because I knew I had to get up early and sort out the, the podcaster panel thing. And um, so I had to be there at 9 o'clock, which is pretty early for a weekend for me, especially when I've been drinking. And so I, I had to be there at 9 in the morning to sort of sort out how I was going to record it and stuff. And I had hoped that I'd get a multi-track recording so that each panelist and me and the, the the roaming mic that was going around the audience would have its own track and then I'd be able to edit and mix that um, individually. But it just became apparent that that was not happening. And so I basically had one feed out of the, the mixing desk and just had everything recorded on one track, which I thought, okay, that's fair enough. I'll be able to deal with that. But then it became apparent to me that the wireless mic was using a different PA system and there was no way I could record it, which meant that I could record what I was saying and what the panelists were saying, but everything the audience was saying, which I knew is always a big thing, you know, the questions and comments from the audience, that wasn't going to get recorded. So my only hope for that was my little Zoom recorder, which I actually spoke about on the very first Joe Rest podcast, I was going to point that at a speaker and hope that I got a decent enough recording. And so first thing in the morning, me and Paddy did a sound check for that. And uh, it, it sounded okay. It wasn't going to sound amazing, but it sounded all right. So then I did the panel. And the first thing Paddy said to me was, mm, I've got some bad news. The speaker that we were pointing at wasn't on. <laughs> so while it was on first thing in the morning, by the afternoon, it wasn't on. So basically the recording that I got, of the audience was totally unusable. It was just inaudible, just echoey, and you just can't hear what people are saying. And so that's why that recording has never surfaced, basically, because it, it half of the whole thing was the audience, pretty much, or a good part of it was audience questions and then reactions to those audience questions and comments. So although I managed to get something of a recording, it, it's just unusable. So I think that's just going to kind of die I'm afraid, and never be, never see the light of day. So you bring up a good point. I think I heard this mentioned on the uh, the Ubuntu podcast. There, Ogcamp does not record the sessions. Is that correct? It depends. Some years it does. Sometimes, sometimes it, they don't. Well, okay, okay. Yeah, it makes sense because the Linux Voice guys on their podcast they did a live one, but I think they recorded themselves, kind of what yeah, you yeah. were attempting to doing. And. Maybe you should. Maybe that should be your calling for next year. Is trying to get this like recorded. Cause I'm. I'm sure I would love. I know I would love to hear what all this conference stuff was. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, there's a kind of, um, a kind of school of thought of well, you're there, you're in the moment, and 
you know, you're either there or you're not. I mean, I suppose if you've got videos of it, it's different, but audio recordings, I don't think are necessarily going to work that well. It would be like a podcast. I mean, where it's just no editing, really, you know, just a free, most podcasts listen to it that way, just free form talk. Yeah, but a lot of the talks at OddCamp have got slides and they're kind of crucial to it. And you could publish the slides separately, but. Oh, you're going to have to do some YouTube thing. Like I've seen like DockerCon do and stuff of that nature where the slides are. Yeah. One half of the screen that talks on the guy, the speaker, I mean, on the other. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, really. It's maybe, but I think it's more important to have video, but video and audio trying to get them synced and stuff. It's a bit of a hassle, really. But the panel itself turned out to be a lot harder than I'd anticipated. Basically, <laughs> I thought it'd be easy. I thought, oh, I'll just ask a question and then just people will talk and it'll all go fine. But the reality is that I hadn't prepared it enough. And also, <laughs> it turns out that you're supposed to be totally impartial and not give any of your opinions, which I... I have this image of you asking, like someone giving some feedback and you're holding the mic to whoever it is. And immediately, when as soon as I start talking, you just remove it to yourself. Like, well, I mean, I personally think that... <laughs> well, that's kind of the opposite problem because one of the other things you're not supposed to do is let someone dominate. And uh, Stuart... Ack from Bad Voltage, he was on the panel and he totally dominated it because he's got the most experience of speaking in public and I don't know, he's got a lot to say. And I'm not good at interrupting people and shutting people up, but you need to be able to do that. Otherwise, I don't know how the, I, I have no idea how this went. The only time I've ever seen remotely close to what you're talking about was I went to a conference this time last year and of all, there were several speakers there, but they had five of them five or six of them, like on a panel before everybody. And they had one, another speaker going around and what he was doing, which is simply asking questions though. But he was, it was almost the speakers up there. He was letting them pick and choose, you know, and they would take turns being like, do you want to answer it or me or kind of that nature? Maybe two, two of them, three tops would chime in on a question, but he would quickly move on to someone else. And the person asked the question was never, he would like hold the mic, let them ask the question repeated in case anyone didn't hear it. But then somewhat already look around for the next person to ask a question, like separate away from them. Yeah, that's kind of how you're supposed to be. You're supposed to keep it moving on and, and not, you know, let it get dragged off topic. And I had three questions that I wanted to ask about, um, basically, the premise was there's no such thing as a cloud. It's just someone else's computer, that sticker that um, everyone seems to have. And I had a few questions like, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? what we're going to do about it. And within the, the opening remarks, all three of my questions had been answered by everyone and I had no, nowhere to go. What, so wait a minute, wait a minute. Why did you, so you were the one asking the questions and like, you should have, why didn't you have the audience asking the questions or? Well, no, they were as well, but okay, the okay, point okay. being that I was supposed to like have Help some topics. Yeah. And I just didn't do it at all. And it was just a complete disaster. Well, it wasn't a complete disaster. That's really uh, exaggerating. You, you, okay. I see what you did wrong or, or what you're getting at. You should have had, well, yeah, of course, preparations. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. But anyway, yeah. yeah, your, your problem, it sounds like was you had three questions linked together and you should have had like, what is, why is the cloud important or not important? Um, why is Microsoft helping out Linux? You know, those things like totally separate to where no way the, the questions, they might get linked, but someone's got to really mm. drag it out. You should have had it so, questions were so far apart. Like, so what is Linux doing in the mobile platform? And why does it matter to me? Kind of attitude, you know, just have it so staggered away from like privacy, you know, just get it so far away from each other. Like, hey, I've got 10 questions or five even 
that are perfectly not linked together. That way, no one can answer all five in one question or one answer by accident. Yeah, exactly. But I just have no experience of it. And yeah, well, I was kind yeah, of, well that's how it goes. Yeah, I was mumbling into the mic a little bit and just. <laughs> Here's another thing Was there alcohol involved? Because that will always get people talking more than they need to sometimes to be like, okay, we need to move this on. And we didn't realize so and so was half the crowd's drunk or something, you know? No, as it turns out, it was totally sober. And I think that was the main problem for me because I've been on many stages in my life, mostly playing the drums in a band, also like playing guitar and singing in a band. But I've also been known to do a little bit of stand up comedy. And the th- one thing that ties all of that together is that I have always been drunk or mostly a bit of drumming. I did sober and the audience has always been drunk and that makes it so much easier when you're in a room with bright lights, stone cold, sober, silent, everyone is staring at you and they're sober. It makes it really, really difficult. It's just a totally different proposition to what I'm used to. I gotcha. Yeah, when, when I did that conference, it was the speaker first had troubles getting people's questions out of them. Like, does anyone have a question like to ask? And, and, uh, but he had a hard time doing it. And I'm pretty sure, I'm not sure how many people attended this, uh, panel. Um, well, that was the other thing I set up and I was supposed to go at like four o'clock or whatever it was. And there was hardly anyone in there. And then I was just kind of waiting for the room to fill up and it was fairly full by the end, but I'd say like maybe 150 people. So that's really good. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. It might have been 100. Uh, it's you, hard to say, really. Are you going to do it next year? Uh, is there going to be an odd camp next year is the first question. And if there is, then maybe. And if they'll let me, <laughs> whoever is organizing it. And I mean, that that's the thing. Um, on the Sunday night, skipping totally ahead, we basically sat there and we're talking about how we could do it next year and where we could do it next year. and possibly doing it in london and we've been having some discussions or we had some discussions immediately afterwards those discussions seem to have ground to a halt now uh, where no one seems to be um well, motivated to do it yeah well also uh it's also this time of year i'm pretty sure and you yeah. know it's human nature to wait to the last second on most stuff so i'm pretty sure come march april of next year the talks will suddenly ramp up and get moving really quick. So Yeah, but the, the point being that we were saying, if we're going to do it in London, we need to get it booked seriously in advance because it's so expensive to stay there. Why don't you start uh, progressing those talks then? Because I've got so much other stuff going on, basically. <laughs> and I, it's, it's a terrible excuse, but I found a venue. I found out the rough price for it. And then other people were looking into other venues. And there's, there's one that's actually outside of London that someone, I'm not going to name any names, someone has investigated. And to me, it sounds perfect. There's two cheap hotels right next to it. And it, just, it sounds brilliant, basically. Uh, but this person is not that keen to do it there because apparently it's not a particularly nice place. But I said, well, hang on. It doesn't matter where it is because we're all just in a bubble together. And we talked about it on Luddites as well. We had an over a pint about it. And the consensus was it would be good to have the whole thing self-contained. So like in a university where you're all staying in the accommodation or whatever, rather than just people in random hotels. Cause that was another thing on the Saturday night. There wasn't really a firm plan for what we were going to do. And me and Jesse and Paddy went to the pub for some food just up the road. And I was planning to just have a couple of pints. And then we ended up staying in there all night. And thankfully we managed to get everyone to come to us. 
because everyone got kicked out at half past nine of the, the main venue because otherwise you had to pay loads of money and it was some techno party or something that no one wanted to go to. So I managed to, using Twitter and Telegram, managed to kind of manipulate the situation or we managed to say, oh yeah, everyone's here, everyone's here, even though there was only three of us. And then about half an hour later, everyone turned up and that was the kind of, it became the, the party venue. So that was pretty sweet because it was, it was just a normal pub basically that was much quieter than the other one. So you could actually speak to each other. And that's the whole point of it is to speak to each other. But um, man, they kicked us out at midnight and some people carried on, including me, because I thought, ah, well, Sunday, it's not as important as Saturday. I've done my panel now. And I mentioned Ak from Bad Voltage. He is a fiend, basically. When <laughs> everyone else had finished and gone home and just had enough, he was there. And I left at about two something. And by the time I'd walked back and I think got some food and, um, you know, gone to bed, I checked Twitter just before I went to bed and he was still partying at like four. And then the next morning he w- he'd still been partying at like four thirty or something. And then he said that he was, um, when he was leaving, there was people queuing up to get into the club where he'd left. <laughs> Cause that is another thing. Liverpool, man. I mean, you probably know Liverpool as the Beatles and that's about it. Right. Yeah, pretty much. Some soccer team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> soccer team. And let me tell you, Liverpool is the, the biggest party town I've ever been to, pretty much, especially on Halloween. I mean, London's a big party town, obviously, but it is just unbelievable that there were just so many people everywhere. I was walking home, you know, I called it home, the hotel, through the city centre, and it, there were just people everywhere. And usually, I don't know, between... 18 and 30 let's say and it just people everywhere and because it was halloween all the girls were wearing like really short skirts and you know you know what it's like at halloween kind of oh well, yeah dare i say slutty outfits and it was just it was just a surreal experience to see so much going on so late on i mean it's not that late two o'clock i suppose but when i was trying to sleep and it you could just hear it outside people still partying and shouting and whatever Thankfully, I was drunk enough to sleep, so it wasn't a big deal. But yeah, that was pretty mad. So, but as a result of that, on the Sunday, it was basically a complete write-off for me because I didn't get there till lunchtime, and so I'd missed some talks in the morning. And oh yeah, because we had basically planned to put out that panel as uh, Luddites episode the following week, and then when we discovered in the pub that the recording hadn't worked out, we were like, "What are we going to do?" So we decided we'll have to get some interviews and record a piece about Selfish that we'd kind of planned to do. And so the Sunday was just spent just getting interviews with people. And so I didn't see any talks at all, I don't think. Um, uh, except for the raffle, I went to that. That it always ends with a raffle. And I won an Ubuntu t-shirt, which was pretty cool. Despite the fact that I'd actually sweet. lost my raffle ticket. But I, uh, I said, no, I had that ticket and I lost it. And they were like, really? Oh, it's on your t-shirt, have it. So, yeah that's pretty cool <laughs> so i heard uh patty lament that uh it was mainly just older white guys were there is it was that the case yeah pretty much kind of mid 30s to 50 yeah probably 30 to 50 white male almost everyone there a few women hardly any black people hardly any asian people uh not many kids 
basically not diverse at all. I mean, that's that's usually the case. I feel like I don't. I mean, how else to say about that? Well, yeah, there was a big hoo ha about it last time afterwards, and I, I said at the time, and I stick by it that Old Camp is welcome, welcoming to anyone. Anyone who wants to go can come, and they will feel welcome there. But if only white men want to go, then what can you do? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see know. it as a, a huge problem, really. I mean, yeah, it would be nice if there were there was more diversity, but you know, you can't force that stuff. You just have to make it friendly and welcoming to everyone, and that's what it is. Anyone is totally welcome to go there, even young kids and stuff. And there were some young kids there playing with Nerf guns and Minecraft and stuff like that. So I don't know. I just think that to try and force diversity, and this is a much bigger issue that I've talked about, I think, before your time on this show. I just I don't like forcing diversity, basically. Change is coming, that's for sure. I don't know about different ethnic groups, but definitely when it comes to getting more female programmers, that change's coming. But it's coming at the lowest of levels. Like, I mean, the elementary schools are currently implementing and pushing that agenda a little bit better. And I don't think it's going to happen within our time frame. I mean, we'll be like, well, until 30 years from now is what I mean, or 20 years from now. That's when we'll notice the, the change has occurred. But it won't be the next couple of years, that's for sure. Yeah, probably. But I think that, you know, you can't force people to do coding or get into computers you've got to give them the opportunities and if they're into it they're into it and if there happens to be more men there happens to be more men yeah you're totally correct on that you just kind of throw it to them if they like it they like it if not if not i mean there's nothing there's nothing else you could do the more you force it in them they're not gonna like it yeah so kind of to to wrap it up on the sunday night i went to the the official party and there weren't many people there most people had gone home and we spent the night mostly talking about the next one. And then come midnight, everyone wanted to go home. But I was like, well, I don't need to check out of my hotel till 12. So I don't have to be up to like 11 something, probably half past 11. So I can party all night, basically. And so <laughs> me and Jesse went to uh, an off-license uh, liquor store, as you would say, got some beer and uh, went back to my hotel room and just got drunk and talked and listened to music and stuff. And then I thought, mm, maybe I better go to sleep at four. And so he had to walk miles across to his hotel room. And uh, yeah, I managed to check out at 11.58, which was good. Uh, just two minutes before I was supposed to be out of there. And then got the train home, and that was it, basically. So I'm going to ask you some questions now on our camp. Okay. So give me, give me the good. Give me... A- Two, no more than two. Th- yeah, yeah no, no more than three, but I just want like a couple of things real quick. The good of this year's Odd Camp. The social aspect of it. Okay, there's one. E- even if it wasn't the venues that we were there, just the people and getting to see people who hadn't seen for ages, I suppose. Okay. Anything else? Mm, well, it's kind of the same, but getting to see Jesse and Paddy. Um, I mean, I get to see Jesse a fair bit because he lives quite close, but Paddy I see once a year at Odd Camp because he lives miles away. Okay. Um, That's cool. All right, so now uh, give me the bad. A couple of things that were the bad about this year's Odd Camp. Um, having to walk miles to get to places and having things really kind of split up because there was no official hotel. People were just staying all over. And the venue for the party was miles away from the venue 
for the um, the actual Og Camp, and so it felt disjointed and dispersed, basically. Okay, and then give me the the ugly. Anything stand out worse than the bad, or I mean, anything else? Oh man, I don't know if I should tell this story on air or not. But okay, <laughs> here we go. So, suffice to say, I was quite nervous about my uh, doing the panel, and I don't know if you've ever had to do something like that. And it, it kind of you're sitting there, and the time's coming closer. The time's coming closer. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And then nature calls, man. You have to. Uh, <laughs> go and go and deal with it. Get your nerves out one end, and so I, I was trying to put it off and think. Oh no, I don't really want to go. I don't really like going on public toilets if I can avoid it. It's just I'd just rather not. And then it was just like I cannot hold this anymore. I have to go, and so I, I went into the toilet and it had two cubicles, two stalls, as you would say. So two actual toilets. I went in the first one tiny bit of poo on the seat i was like i'm not going on that one when is the next one same deal i was like i can't hold this in i have to go what am i going to do so i'm like i've got to go so i had to just get some toilet paper and put some soap on it and try and wash that bit it was only a tiny bit but it's just enough to be really gross and so, uh, yeah, then did that. And as a result, Mr. Popey's really interesting talk about um, how the Ubuntu phone store got pwned. And yeah, so I just felt really dirty the whole, and that's why afterwards I wanted to go back, get showered and change because I just felt gross, you know, and then ended up just sitting in the pub all night, just in, <laughs> just not feeling nice. And so like when I, that's part of why I went to bed so late on the Saturday, because when I got home, I had to get showered as well. I didn't want to get in bed after that, and I just changed. I had a change of trousers with me, so I uh, had that image him. of uh, Ace Ventura when he realizes he kissed a man. Yeah, and he burns his clothes and he's crying in the shower. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty much that. Uh, so that that was the ugly. I, I I had that in my notes, but I didn't know whether I wanted to talk about it. But you you forced that out of me by asking for the ugly. <laughs> that really was the the low light of the whole. The thing. ugly, yeah, sounds yeah. like it. But all in all, it was good. And doing the panel was good to actually do some sober public appearance, you know, public speaking and performance. No, it's not really a performance, but you know what I mean? That was uh, good. But yeah, I learned don't try and write jokes because I'd written jokes for each of the panelists to introduce them and um, totally fluffed one of them because I forgot some of <laughs> <Don't> the <names. laughs> I can't stop laughing because... <laughs> when you when you do that and it doesn't hit, I mean, I mean you cannot do it at the beginning because the minute that it doesn't work, it, it just mentally, I mean, you have to be really thick skinned at that point to roll off that because it's rough to be, okay, I just bombed that out hard. And you can't, if you got more jokes, you can't keep going with them. <laughs> well, it wasn't like total, um, you know, silence and staring at me. It was like a bit of a chuckle. So it wasn't too bad, but um you know, it could have been, it could have gone better, put it that way. But, uh, you know, you, you live and you learn. And yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I actually got quite a good laugh at the end. And that was just totally off the cuff. Like I said, right, you know, that's it now. Go away. And everyone laughed at that. And apparently that was funny. So it, and that, that's the thing in, in the pub really late on, Popey and Ak were advising me on what I'd done wrong, basically. And your and jokes were wrong. Well, just don't write jokes. Just if you're going to be funny, be uh, be off the cuff funny, not you know written jokes. And they told me about not letting someone dominate and 
being impartial, not giving any of my opinions. So it was a, it was a big learning experience, basically. And if I do get to do it next year, hopefully I will have learned from that and will do it better. But we'll have to see about that. But, you know, it's, I, I kind of volunteered to do that panel a long time ago, several months ago. And so I'd kind of been thinking about it um, for a while. And that's why I'd kind of built it up a bit too much in my head, I think. Even though it was just quite a minor thing. But it, it just does not compare to being in front of a drunk audience, man. I tell you, it's so much easier. I, I totally know what you mean, because even when I did my little Lynch class, it, it just suddenly gets on the horizon and it's, it's, I wasn't too worried about it. And then as it got closer, I was a little bit like, Oh boy, here we go. And the same with this raspberry Pi one, which preparation always squares that stuff up, but it's no matter what it is, even when I do any kind of talk, it's still the same story of the nerves show up a little bit. They come down each more, more each time. Yeah, man. So that was our camp pretty much. Um, we've been off air for so long. They've actually got quite a lot of feedback. So I've been promising to do it for the last couple of shows when uh, we had Ben Emlyn Jones on, but I actually got to it today. So uh, let's do the feedback. So first of all, thanks to everyone who left web comments. I was going to include them, but then I just realized there's too many of them and anyone could go and read them. So if you just go to joerest.com and look on the various episodes, you'll see various uh, web comments from people. And also thanks to Jack Denehauer and Martin Carlson for your emails. Um, the first one I'm going to read out is Alex, who said, quick feedback. Good. Isaac getting Joe to complain about things. Enjoyed these parts of the show. I hate it that proper sci-fi often gets lumped in with fantasy as a category. They are totally opposite genres. Sci-fi should be next to science and fantasy next to Bigfoot, erotic novels, and new age self-help books. So clearly not much of a fan of Star Wars. Alex said, bad, Joe getting Isaac to talk about things he knows nothing about. If you ask Isaac a question about something and he says he doesn't know the answer, move on. You're making him sound like an idiot. <laughs> I actually thought he was retarded after the first time I heard him. His words, not mine. Because you kept dragging him into subjects he's completely ignorant of. Now, uh, I hate to be nitpicking, but if you're going to say that someone is totally ignorant of subjects, then it should be dragging him into subjects of which he is completely ignorant. You shouldn't end the sentence in a preposition. Anyway, he continues, now that I've heard him talk about things he knows, I can tell he's a smart guy, so stop, stop dragging him down. Isaac, you should be less polite to Joe when he tries to do this and say no. And FYI... Ron Paul is a true libertarian who uses the Republican ticket to spread ideas of liberty. Rand Paul is an unprincipled sellout who stands for nothing and is dragging his father's name through the dirt. <laughs> I can't stop laughing. <laughs> Didn't you show your friends that email? Yeah, oh my God. Yeah, this was, I couldn't, the minute I read this, what you sent to me, I was laughing so hard. I mean, to each their own on their opinions. I mean, I am a complete retard. I'm not going to argue with them on that one. But uh, but it's the podcast is not going to be doing much if it's, hey, Isaac, do you know about this? Like, no. Okay, moving on. <laughs> like <it's>, yeah. <laughs> I kind of have to be drug into stuff I don't know too much about, and that's just, unfortunately, the nature of the beast. And we also received some feedback from Dave, which goes, hey there, Joe and Isaac. I heard the two of you on podcast number 14. Speaking about the political process here in the States and across the pond. Specifically, you were speaking about the different candidates spouting off here in the States, and Ron Paul was mentioned. If I may be so bold 
and at the risk of possibly irritating some libertarians here in the States, I would compare Ron Paul to Nigel Farage. Is that correct? Yeah. In the UK, whom I love listening to, both of them seem to get beaten down by the respective political adversaries, including by their own parties. But each seems to have similar opinions about governance. Both will poke the bear in the eye, and neither seems to be afraid to do it publicly, which is why neither will ever get to the highest levels of government. Love the podcast. Keep up the pessimism. Uh, Nigel, Nigel Farage, is that the guy you sent me that was interviewing my boy, Boris? No, no. Nigel Farage is the leader of UKIP, who, and oh, they're, oh, oh, they're the, like, oh, oh. the really right wing thinking of? You're thinking of Jeremy Paxman. Okay, okay, never mind. Sorry about that. That was, boy, I completely screwed that all up. But uh, <laughs> that's totally nowhere near what he's even talking about. Yeah, but Nigel Farage is um, quite the character. And I can see the comparison, I suppose, with Ron Paul, but I don't really know much enough. Well, I don't know enough about Ron Paul to know if that's a, a fair comparison. I'm not going to slam anybody's age, but I'm definitely, I guess I got into politics late in the game, which is like, probably 1% of any that I know about politics, but the only politics, I, I mean, the only Paul I know of is Rand Paul. I don't know of his dad, Ron Paul, and what he really did too much, so I can't really compare the two. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so David Harvey said, Hello, Joe. I enjoyed listening to your most recent podcast involving Ben Emlyn Jones. I look forward to part two. So this was clearly between the two of them. When it comes to conspiracy theories, I believe that the most high-profile ones, JFK, 9-11, moon landing, etc., are just too much of a stretch for most people. I can think of a couple of stories which merit wider consideration that are not too far-fetched. Here are two books that I've read recently and can thoroughly recommend. And the first one is Dark Actors, The Life and Death of David Kelly by Robert Lewis. Dr. David Kelly was a weapons inspector, I think, who, I think it was to do with the Iraq war and how he called BS on that and then he killed himself in rather suspicious circumstances hmm. and the other one is a thorn in their side and that is hilda morrill who threatened britain's nuclear state she was then brutally murdered this is the true story of her shocking death so it's kind of um a couple of books about people getting bumped off by the powers that be basically so all quite scary stuff but i'll stick a couple of links in the show notes they sound really good hmm and the last one, Alex Armstrong said, I was right. And then he links to a story about a study that says tinfoil hats actually make it easier for the government to track your thoughts. And he says, I think if you really want to block them, you need a complete foil bodysuit. If it doesn't completely surround your head, then it's just an antenna. Except for the very last line of the article, after saying all of the stuff about how it's uh, not going to work, that or the students are aliens who fabricated these results an effort to get you to take your perfectly functional helmet off and that's what i'm going for i think that says it all i like that some ended on a on a twist <laughs> so yeah if you want to get in contact podcast at joerest.com or you can leave a comment on the website but uh, we've got a really really interesting and exciting show coming up for you next time that we've already planned that involved me sending something to isaac so if you follow him on twitter you may have seen that already but uh, until then, I'm Joe. I'm Isaac. See you later.